Welcome to Engaging the Experts, a series of interviews with pharmacy practitioners and educators on cutting-edge topics. In this interview, William Zelmer talks with Christine Walko and Chital Patel about immune checkpoint inhibitors for treating lung cancer and melanoma. This installment is produced by ASHP Advantage and supported by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Merck. This is William Zalmer for the ASHP program, Engaging the Experts. I'm speaking with Dr. Christine Walko and Dr. Shetel Patel, who presented a session at the 2019 ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting on Practice Essentials for Using Immune Checkpoint Inhibitors to Treat Lung Cancer and Melanoma. Dr. Walko is Associate Member, Department of Individualized Cancer Management, Moffitt Cancer Center, Tampa, Florida. Dr. Patel is Assistant Professor of Medicine, Division of Hematology Oncology, University of North Carolina School of Medicine in Chapel Hill. Let's aim our discussion toward listeners who have not necessarily been keeping up with the advances in treating cancers with immune checkpoint inhibitors. Shato, to begin our conversation, in simple terms, what is an immune checkpoint and what is an immune checkpoint inhibitor? Um, so immune checkpoints are a, a normal part of the immune system that get engaged um, to curb an immune response or an inflammatory response after it started, and they're proteins that are present on immune cells. And so um, they are often co-opted by cancer to essentially hide from the immune system so that cancers can continue to grow and spread. So the idea behind an immune checkpoint inhibitor is to try to block that inhibitory signal that comes from the cancer to try to get the immune system activated again and able to recognize the cancers and clear them. Christine, as I understand it, the uh, first immune checkpoint inhibitor on the market was approved in 2011 for treating melanoma. Uh, That product has since been approved for treating other cancers. Additional immune checkpoint inhibitors have been approved for treating a variety of cancers. Now, your session at the ASHP mid-year focused on treating lung cancer and melanoma. What is unique about using immune checkpoint inhibitors for treating patients with those types of cancer? Well, I think um, we all knew for many years that melanoma is responsive to immunotherapy. It was one of the first diseases where we used high-dose um, interleukin and interferon. I think whenever we did the original phase one trials with uh, drugs like nivolumab and pembrolizumab, what was really surprising was that we also saw lung cancer patients responding as well as many others, giving the first clue that this may extend beyond the patients with melanoma and renal cell where we traditionally used immunotherapies. Now that they have evolved into standard of care, either as single agents or in combination with other immunotherapies uh, or chemotherapy that we'll touch on a little bit later, we're starting to see that there are certain biomarkers that may be helpful in potentially predicting who may respond. However, there are a lot of differences as well. And so if we look at melanoma, we know that we don't check PDL1 and that has not been a strong correlate for response, whereas we know that it is a much better biomarker for lung cancer. And as we continue to look at retrospective data, hopefully we will be able to learn uh, better ways of leveraging um, the biomarkers that we have to select patients who are going to benefit. 
Well, Christine, many who attended your mid-year session probably came away thinking that immune checkpoint inhibitors are a heavily researched, very promising, and rapidly evolving area of therapy, but with only a subset of patients driving benefits so far. Would that be an accurate conclusion? Very much so. I think um, when immune checkpoint inhibitors came on the scene, especially because they were approved for so many different cancers, and it, it was a brand new mechanism of action, it was sexy, people were very excited about it. And what we have found is that patients who do have a clinical response, especially a complete response, that can be a durable response. And that's something that we saw a little bit in the melanoma patients, as I alluded to before, where we've used immunotherapy. But seeing this in a lung cancer patient was incredibly exciting. And I think what really drove a lot of the enthusiasm behind these drugs. Um, and I, but I think where we need to go is to make sure patients know that just because the drug is approved for your specific type of cancer does not mean that you know, even 75% of people have these long-term responses. Um, and again, that comes back to biomarkers and figuring out who is likely to have a response because when we see these responses, they are absolutely amazing and patients can live. I actually have several patients who have had a complete response and are metastatic melanoma survivors who benefited greatly from these, uh, these agents. Shaitel, what, what can you say about the current state of immunotherapy and chemotherapy combinations for treating cancers? So, um, as Chris alluded to as well, these drugs have had a great deal of success as, as monotherapy, but only a limited subset of patients you know, are the long-term responders. And so there's been a great deal of focus on combinations. And the combinations are really different based off of the tumor type. So particularly in lung cancer, there's been um, a lot of work looking at combinations of chemotherapy and immunotherapy. And that's probably one of the disease types where there's the most use of the combination of immunotherapy and chemotherapy in the first-line treatment of these cancers. But what we've seen is that really these drugs are being combined with a number of different agents. So they're also being combined with targeted drugs or tyrosine kinase inhibitors, and that there's thousands and thousands of trials looking at other combinations. So I think immunotherapy and chemotherapy may be one of the first combos that we've seen, but the number of other combinations that we're going to see in the future is going to probably rapidly increase. Christine, um, your session pointed out that unleashing the immune system by immune checkpoint inhibitors is not a highly specific process, hence this treatment can result in many organ systems being attacked by the body's immune system. Uh, give us a sense of the magnitude of this issue. Well, I think with any uh, new mechanism of action that we have a drug uh, with, that it comes with a unique set of side effects. And we have known for years with the very, very nonspecific immunotherapies like high-dose interleukin, anyone who's ever treated a patient with high-dose IL-2 knows the magnitude of unleashing the immune system and letting it run rampant where these patients had to be admitted to a ICU step-down unit. They got terrible capillary leak. Our technology has come a long way with these much more selective um, immune checkpoint inhibitors that attack either PD-1 or PD-L1, but we can still see basically any system that you have in your body, 
if we upregulate the immune system or it senses that it needs to start attacking itself, we can start to see those side effects. The most common side effects that we see are, of course, the skin, the GI tract, the, the liver, as well as endocrine side effects. But basically, we can also see much more rarer side effects uh, where the nerves are involved, the lungs get involved. And so we know what basically these drugs coming out has really elevated our need for constant monitoring and suspicion of the potential that a new symptom that a patient has could be related to these drugs. And um, I think that it's important to educate the patients as well as the caregivers to have a high level of suspicion and to make sure that you work out why could this be due to the immunotherapy, because the way that we treat an immune-related side effect from these drugs is different than what, how we would treat it if, if this was not an immune-related side effect. Shaitel, um, oncology researchers um, have an intense interest in identifying and developing predictive biomarkers biomarkers of response to immune checkpoint inhibitors. Uh, this might enable a precision medicine approach to cancer immunotherapy and lead to better understanding of mechanisms of resistance. Briefly, where does this line of research stand and to what extent is it already affecting clinical oncology? Yes, there, there's certainly been a lot of interest in developing biomarkers for these drugs because we've known for quite some time that it really is a subset of patients that, that benefit. And while these tend to be well-tolerated drugs, there are serious and significant immune side effects that can happen. So picking the right patient population to expose um, to these agents is important. So there's a number of different biomarkers that have been looked at. The ones that are the most widely used currently for PD-1 or PD-L1 inhibitors, which are the most common of these class of drugs that are currently being used, are immunohistochemical assays for the expression of PD-L1, which is one of the proteins that functions as an inhibitory immune checkpoint on cancer cells or other immune cells. And what's been interesting is that rather than being one universal biomarker, this really has been for, uh, shown to be different in different tumor types, which can be challenging because you're having different biomarkers in different disease areas. The other challenge uh, in interpreting these results is that it's a little bit of an in indirect biomarker. But PDL1 is one of the most commonly used, but there are a number of other biomarkers that are being investigated in, in research studies, including things such as tumor mutational burden, gene expression profiling that tries to highlight tumors that are particularly enriched in immune cells. And as more and more combinations are being investigated, the, the goal would be to integrate multiple different approaches to really try to select patients. But I think we're still a, a fair ways away from that goal, um, but that is certainly the end goal of trying to have precision medicine for immuno-oncology as well. Well, as we draw our conversation to a close, um, I'd like each of you to comment on the areas of research in checkpoint inhibitor immunotherapy that are of particular interest to you. Christine, let's start with you. Your comments, please. One of the things that was most exciting to me is that lung cancer is near and dear to my heart because my father died from it 20 years ago. And it was an area where we didn't have a whole lot of these novel therapies. And within the last 10 years, way that we treat lung cancer with precision medicine and looking at uh, who's going to be predicted to have a response has just been revolutionized. And I'm so excited that 
we are utilizing these novel drugs like immunotherapy in cancers that had such a poor prognosis. That being said, we, as we've talked about with the importance of these biomarkers and my area being precision medicine, I am excited to learn more about how I can use the genetic results that I'm getting on the large patient uh, tumor genetic panels to help guide patients to their best therapies, either as single agent immunotherapies or as we alluded to with a combination that so we're putting immunotherapy together with not just chemotherapy, but other targeted drugs. And so if we can gain an understanding of the genomic profile that is most predictive of immunotherapy given with a combination drug, like a tyrosine kinase inhibitor or a PARP inhibitor, we can really elevate the results that we're getting to the best care for that patient. And I think that, to me, is what is so exciting about that promise. Shaitel, your comments on this point? Yeah, so as a, a lung cancer medical oncologist, it has really been quite amazing to see the change in our treatment approach for these patients in just a, a few short years. And I think one of the things I'm really looking forward to going forward is that as these drugs are being used, um, even in earlier stages of disease, are we going to be able to cure more patients of their cancer by applying some of these therapies at earlier stages of disease? A lot of the initial focus was in patients with stage four cancer, where we saw pretty dramatic improvements in survival, um, but it would be great to see some of that extending to earlier stages and seeing more patients cured. And then as Chris alluded to as well, I think the combinations and the promise of precision medicine is really interesting. And I think that we still have a lot to learn about the biology of how the immune system is engaged against cancer and how we can really optimize that. And I hope that you know, as these drugs become more commonly used, it'll also present an opportunity to learn more about how we can exploit the immune system to fight cancer, because I think that's been a, a little bit of an understudied area in general, because it's challenging to study. We don't have good models. Um, studying it from patient samples is challenging. But I think you know the promise of these drugs has really opened up some of those avenues of research, and I hope that that will extend um, some of the survival that we've seen to, to, to more and more patients. Well, very good. Uh, Christine and Shaitel, thank you so much for taking time for this conversation. That concludes this Engaging the Experts interview. Other educational resources on this topic are also available at the initiative website.